Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Oh, that's right. There's the respect I deserve. You mean the copy that I paid for? We love our new intro. And that's right. Dave Neal here, Power Recapper. And what do we call you guys out there? The Rushies? Do we have a term? Let me know. Let me know on Instagram. DM me, Dneals, if you have any any terms you want me to call you as ardent supporters of the podcast. Welcome to the Morning Rush as we uh, go, enter day four of our new Morning Rush uh, two episodes a day. That's right. We're coming to you live. We got a lot of content to get to today. Last day of November, November 30th, 2023. I'm giving you a fair warning. Tomorrow starts the Christmas music. That's right. Your boy can only hold off so long, but December, we're going to be playing Christmas music. We've also got our 12 days of giving. We've got our single moms and single dads that need some help from audience. We're going to be sharing the Christmas wish list starting tomorrow. So for anyone out there that has some extra funds and wants to donate to some people in our own community that could use some charitable giving for the uh, the kids for this Christmas season. We'll begin that tomorrow. So lots of good things going on. But we have to address yesterday we had this Hollywood Reporter article came out on old Gary Turner. Uh, the long and short of it was that uh, they accused Gary of lying about his dating history post uh, his wife dying. And of course, we have no idea what what was uh, what was uh, told uh, by the producers as far as like what script they should go with regarding what's going to look good. But of course, uh, in trying to gain sympathy for Gary, we've got an ex, a jilted lover, if you will, coming out and saying, "Oh, he made me pay for half of the meals," <laughs> you know, things like that. Oh, I fell down the stairs and he didn't, you know, I don't know, crazy, crazy things. Well, now we've got, I mean, hours after that article came out, we've got Gary Turner featured in People Magazine, which is kind of like the Communist Party of Bachelor Nation, right? They go to People Magazine to get a nice article out. The article is called Golden Bachelor Gary Turner Reflects on a Few Failures Trying to Date After His Wife's Death. The reality star thought he'd be ready for a new relationship one year after his wife Tony's death. 2017, but tells people that absolutely wasn't the case. So this was published at 3.19 p.m. yesterday, November 29th, hours after the other article came out. My guess is they, uh, you know, they call this crisis management, right? Crisis PR. So it's public relations damage control, because of course, tonight is going to be Gary Turner's finale of The Golden Bachelor. Will he or will he not address the fact that he's got a angry ex lover that he started dating several months after his wife died. Now, look, I'm not going to tell you how I would react to such tragic news, but I would not blame anybody who's seeking a companionship after their uh, significant other passes away. He said this, I've dated a number of times since Tony's passed, more recently than back closer to when she's passed, Turner 72 tells People. For one reason or another, the attempts didn't work out. I could give you a wide range of reasons, but it doesn't really matter. And again, so the fact that they call him a restaurateur, the expose said, what do you mean he only owned a, um, a fast food restaurant? And it's like, well, I think you could be a restaurateur in the quick uh, service market. I don't know. Um, my, my, my thoughts on the the whole article was that it was icky and I'm willing to see a love story play out whether or not Gary's as perfect as some people would want him to be. Here's a trailer for tonight's season finale of Golden Bachelor. 
good person and broke their heart. Even though how I got here. I can't get it out of my head and I don't think I will ever get it out of my head. The look on her face. All right, so it's just Gary crying, and that says the live event coming tonight. I know it's some heavy stuff, folks. We've got Gary Turner crying. The comment section are people saying, oh, he duped everybody. We need, you know, justice. For, you know, uh, look, I, I hope that he does address it on the live uh, episode, the fact that this The Hollywood Reporter story came out. I don't want it to taint his, uh, his story and his message from this season. Look, this is just what happens, right? This is what happens when something becomes popular or someone becomes big that you just find ways to tear them down. We like to build sandcastles up so we can then tear them down. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't buy it. I, don't, I, I, I think it's... I just I think it's like fabricated outrage, and I, I hope that I hope that we get some more information regarding uh, old Gary Turner there. But I'm still wishing him well. And in today's YouTube uh, stuff, we got a lot to go through today. I'm going to be uh, reading for you guys the full police report from Jane Doe uh, regarding the Clayton Eckert paternity scandal. Uh, Clayton Eckert is mentioned in it, so is the other guy that she's had uh, you know legal battles with. And get this, a bunch of redditors, people that are online that. She's accusing of being alternate accounts to one of the guys that she's coming after. It's very fascinating. And maybe that's because it's like watching a true crime documentary that I'm actually a part of. So I'm getting to watch live as she makes these moves about, you know, you know, because for me, she tried to get a temporary restraining order, which was denied. But just just how these guys, you know, this story continuing to play out in the public eye. She's accusing these men of being the perpetrators of it all. Maybe she doesn't realize that it's just a whole bunch of audience and bystanders that want to see justice prevail, right? All right. And speaking of justice prevail, but by the way, don't believe me when I say it here, go over to YouTube uh, later on today and check in. I think by around 10 a.m. Pacific time, I'll have that story up, but I'll have the full redacted and I redact the names, but I've got the full police report. It's going to blow your mind. All right. Well, next let's get into dancing with the stars. I can't believe I forgot to talk about this the other day. Viewers react after dancing with the stars plays with their emotions during a surprising elimination. Yeah. You know how it works in dancing with the stars when they say like, they'll get down to the final two. And usually, you know, you have your fan favorites and you have the people that are really good. Well, it turns out that the lowest scoring person they said was going to make it through to the final and then after that everyone was shocked because that meant that someone everyone really wanted to win was going to go home it came down to uh, several people but it had a surprise ending with each of the five remaining dancers performing two different styles throughout the semifinals. here's a look at how things played out we had the lowest score of the night, which was Allison Hannigan, and she partnered with Sasha Farber. She had a 51 out of 60. She danced the jive and the waltz, and then they let her through to the finale. And of course, at that moment, everyone else was shocked to think that Zochi Gomez and Ariana Maddox might actually be going home. And then in the final moments, they said, you know what? You're all going to make it through to the final. And no one really knows why. No one knew what the heck went down, but people were literally having a panic attack. I mean, I have never seen this much drama in the ballroom since the uh, glitter uh, ran out, you know, on some of these sequin dresses. I mean, it was a wild, wild evening. What do you guys think? Who's going to win? I'm rooting for Zochi. We, of course, have Charity Lawson there. I want her to do well as, uh, you know, as well. Charity Lawson proved that every single 
former bachelorette that has gone on to Dancing with the Stars makes it to the finale. Of course, uh, I think every other one has won, right? Hannah Brown, Caitlin Bristow. I'm running out of who else was up there. But either way, I don't know what it is about Bachelorette, but it produces winners on Dancing with the Stars and winners on Special Forces. And here's another winner. Uh, how about Aaron Rodgers coming back from a torn, uh, torn what are you, Achilles heel? Oh my gosh, my ankle just like uh, quivered thinking about it. We'll have that story next. You know, if you're not caught up on modern medicine as it uh, pertains to sports, I mean, it's just incredible. It used to be if you, you know, uh, blew your elbow out, you're done for life. Then they uh, introduced Tommy John surgery, which I think, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think they take like a like a hamstring out of a dead pig and put it into your elbow. I might be wrong. I might be right. I'm not really sure. Now, if Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles tendon this year, five months ago, and now he's back on the practice squad. Aaron Rodgers throws passes at Jets workout as 21-day practice window opens. He's taking yet another step towards making an improbable comeback this season. Returning to Jets practice Wednesday, albeit in a very limited capacity, Rodgers got back on the New York train field with his teammates just minutes after head coach Robert Sala revealed the star quarterback has now been cleared for functional activity. However, the sight of Rodgers on the field doesn't necessarily mean he's anywhere close to game action. Yeah, okay, he's 40 years old. He has 21 days to return to game action after his practice was opened, is expected to do little more than simulate in-game dropbacks and throw to teammates during workouts over the next few days. Still, a good sign for the Jets nonetheless, considering Rodgers tore his Achilles less than three months ago. How wild is this story here? He said he was going to come back this year and everyone was like, yeah, sure. And, you know, not because he's 40, but, you know, the body does recover slower the older you get. But guys, this is, whether you're a fan of uh, Aaron Rodgers or not, it's incredible to see the advances that have made that have been made uh, with medicine and, and, and all of that, especially, you know, when you see guys that are playing at the highest levels of sports. Now, obviously, when he tore his Achilles, that's just like a random, crazy, wild accident that uh, could probably happen to anybody. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to be rooting on uh, the human condition to persevere. And we've got a crazy story coming out of Kansas City. Have you heard this one? Fan's mom defends game day costume after face paint headdress spark outrage. That's right. A fan, uh, you know, just a child was at the Kansas City Chiefs game and he puts on a headdress, you know, a, a Native American headdress, and he wears face paint on one side, on his right side of the face, it's black. And on his left side, it's red. You know, these are the Chiefs colors, right? And somebody takes a photo side profile of just the black side and they're accusing this child of being in blackface. A Kansas City Chiefs fan's mom is coming to his defense, claiming that all of the haters who are saying his game day outfit was offensive need to kick rocks. Holden Armenta caused a big stir online on Sunday when TV cameras at the Chiefs versus Raiders game in Las Vegas showed him donning a headdress with a painted face. Some, including Deadspin, thought the boy was wearing blackface and urged the NFL to speak out on the matter, calling his feathered attire inappropriate 
it as well. Armenta's mother, however, said on her Facebook page this week, there was simply no need for the outrage. Explaining the boy's face paint actually consisted of both black and red colors in order to match his favorite team's hues. As for the headdress, she said Holden is Native American. People are ridiculous, Shannon Armenta wrote in one post. She also shared a few other snaps of Holden from the game and said everyone asked to take a photo with him. The players even loved it. Holden's dad added to his Facebook page that his son is simply the biggest fan of the Chiefs. Kansas City's NFL franchise, meanwhile, has not addressed the matter, though Elon Musk did offer his two cents on the situation on X, boasting that his platform's community notes had exposed the initial backlash to the boys' costume as deception. Well, I'll tell you what, a broken clock can be right twice a day. It was deception. And how wild. You know, look, there are some things in this life in this world that we should be outraged at, right? We have wars that are happening. We we don't have clean water in Flint, Michigan. You know, we don't have universal health care here. Uh, teachers are fleeing uh, school districts because books are being burned. I mean, we have real issues to worry about here. And the fact that they could deceive an audience and feign outrage at all for their own profit. I tell you what, whatever money uh, that uh, they made from printing that article that this child was in blackface really should be donated to that family. Plus, maybe a little defamation case. Just be a little more careful if you're going to accuse somebody of such sinister uh, motivation. It's just a kid, you know, unfortunately, and, and hopefully for him, he's not even exposed to the internet because he wouldn't know the difference. People loved him until the internet got a hold of it. And um, we, got a, we got an Elon Musk story here. Speaking of Elon Musk, oh boy, you know... I got to tell you, I'm a big free speech guy, which a lot of times people will get mad. Well, how could you, you know? But Elon Musk on live TV rips Bob Iger and other advertisers that decided to boycott X, of course, formerly known as Twitter. Now, first of all, whatever Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, has to say, it's a mute, it's a moot point, right? Whatever he stands for, it's all BS. The guy makes, what, $50 million a year? And um, a lot of advertisers have pulled their... Uh, ad support away from Twitter. And I, I kind of understand, you know, Elon Musk is like the head of a, he's the CEO of all these different companies and he says stupid stuff. I think deep down he wants to be funny, but it's like, come on, just know your role. Like you're not a comedian, just, you know, you know what I mean? But either way, he responds live. Uh, what channel is this on? I'm not sure. This is, um, uh, uh, this, oh, this was on uh, CNBC. He responds live to the idea, and there's going to be some foul language here, to the idea that these companies are taking their money and fleeing the social media platform. Here's what he has to say. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. He, okay, so Elon Musk does a reverse uno. He says, you can't fire me, I quit. You don't want to be here, leave. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. Jeez. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Is that clear? Yeah. I hope it is. It's pretty clear. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. <laughs> That's how I feel. Well, hey, look, you can't doubt knowing how he actually feels here. He says, go 
F yourself. I don't even know what he's referring to about them saying that they're blackmailing him. Look, I understand. Vote with your dollar, right? Put your money where your mouth is. Uh, put your money in things you support and this and that. Uh, I just think it's all performative when it comes to people like Disney CEO Bob Iger. I mean, look, like I said, he's making $50 million a year, probably trying to protect his image. I'm not sure. Uh, it, it is. I'll say this. It's very fascinating what's happening. And I don't even have a side because I don't feel educated enough. I truly am okay to admit that. I don't feel educated enough saying how fascinating it is where companies are now taking sides on a war that's happening. And uh, we're going to continue to follow it. I'm going to try my best to, you know, I mean, by all means, shoot me a DM if you if you even know what's going on with this story. But um, yeah, I think we I think we really need to go back to a world where we share ideas, even if the ideas are bad. The best thing about free speech is that bad free speech is easy to see. It's easy to smell. It's easy to dismiss. The second you try to rid platforms of speech you start to wonder what else are they ridding us of? What else are they not telling us? I say this about my greatest supporters and biggest enemies. Share it out there. Absolutely. If you sound ignorant, if you come off like a troll, you're going to look like that. Let it be known where you stand. I, I, I'm all about a public sphere. Now, I, I totally understand that can lead to uh, places of hate and place, you know, division being sowed and all that. Uh, but at the same time, we know where Elon Musk stands. All right, let's take a quick break and then we're going to wrap this uh, morning episode up right after that. We had some interesting news here in the political world. Henry Kissinger, 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 one of the most powerful and influential secretaries of state in the U.S. history, the man who helped shape foreign policy in the U.S. for decades, is dead. The famous statesman, diplomat, author, and scholar died Wednesday at his home in Connecticut. The cause of death is unclear. It's, well, first of all, he's 100 years old. I think the cause of death is old age. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure some people will say, well, it must be the vaccine. No, he's 100 years old. He passed away. Kissinger was widely considered the most powerful secretary of state since World War II serving as a top advisor for Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. During the 70s, Kissinger negotiated America's exit from the war in Vietnam, helped open the U.S. to China, stabilized the relationship between Israel and Arab countries in the Middle East, and erased tensions with the Soviet Union. He won the Nobel Prize for his Vietnam peace efforts. But critics say Kissinger saw the handwriting on the wall. The war was a losing battle and negotiated the peace agreement as a face saver. He was also controversial, both revered and reviled. He was praised for opening up China and resettling U.S. relationships with Russia, but he also engineered the secret carpet bombing of Cambodia. He was central to the effort to topple the democratically elected president of Chile. Oh, yeah, look, if you're going to get involved in the U.S. politics, it's not all roses and butterflies, right? There's toppling of democracies. All right, don't get me started. I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers here. Oh, but speaking of sad stories, oh, I don't know why this one hits me. Yesterday, we had a feel-good story, right? We reported on the rhino that was born over there. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I think there's only 50 of these rhinos left. Well, the world's saddest elephant dies at the Manila Zoo. That's right. This is a real, real sad story here. Molly, the world's saddest elephant, has passed away following health complications after decades of confinement at Manila Zoo in the Philippines, where she spent most of her life alone in a pen. I don't know. I don't know why we allow this, folks. This is so sad. Anytime 
anytime you travel, make sure you're not putting your money. We talk about voting with your dollar. Just make sure you're not putting your money, you know, riding elephants or doing things in, in conditions that support tourism that uh, that actually endangers uh, animals. The, uh, the announcement was made Wednesday by the city's mayor during a news conference a day after the zoo's chief veterinarian confirmed the captive elephant had cancer in some of her organs and a blockage in her aorta. The diagnosis came after Molly was seen Friday repeatedly rubbing her trunk against a wall in the indicator she was in pain and then laying on her side, breathing heavily Tuesday, passing away later in the day. At only 11 months old, Molly, whose full name was Vishwal Molly, was gifted to former Philippines First Lady Imelda Marcos by the Sri Lankan government in 1981. In her early years, she lived in Manila Zoo alongside another elephant, Shiva, who died in 1990 after arriving in 1977. Since then, Molly had been the zoo's only elephant and lived in solidarity, un- solidarity? Oh, excuse me, in solitary until her death. Animal rights activists have long criticized the conditions of Manila Zoo, blasting the keepers for being ill-equipped to provide the animals with proper care. In 2013, Paul McCartney wrote to Philippine President Benigno Aquino, am I pronouncing that right, begging for Molly to be moved to an animal sanctuary to bring an end to her suffering, while animal welfare group PETA added at the time that Molly endures intense confinement, loneliness, boredom, and isolation. I mean, look, you know, we'd be hypocritical if we talked about this elephant in Manila and didn't talk about, you know, uh, beautiful creatures like killer whales, uh, you know, that are that are suffering even even nearby in my neighboring San Diego. Right. And some of these uh, some of these pools that are not meant for wildlife. And uh, look, I think, oh, come on, it's 2023. It's almost 2024. You think we're at a time and a place where we can say enough is enough. Let these creatures enjoy this God given earth uh, with peace, love and grace, not with confinement. All right. Look, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to bum everybody out today. All right. We have a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of good things happening out there. Tonight is Golden Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. I will have my live stream at 7 p.m. East Coast, 4 p.m. Pacific on the YouTube channel. So if you want to join me before tonight's episode, we'll be doing that. I'm going to have content all day long, and then we'll have the afternoon rush. So, so much to talk about. Let's just all, hey, you know what? I, I said this earlier this week, but let's remind, let's remember this as a practice every day. Everyone's trying the best. Even the guy who cut you off or was beeping, the guy, the mom who's too stressed about this or the dad who's too worried about that. Everyone's trying their best. All right. So let's just stay in our own lane smile and try to get through this one. All right, folks, I'll be back later. Full content all day on YouTube. And then we'll be back with the afternoon rush uh, later. We'll talk to you guys. Bye now. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts. And if you didn't don't join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's community got cash, become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush.